in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, and uh, thank you for bearing with us as we took a week off last week. Uh, I wasn't feeling well, and then we turned around and had New Year's on top of that. Yeah. And uh, trying to schedule and get it in, just it seemed like a lot. Plus, you had just gotten back in town, so I'm sure yeah. you had a backlog of stuff to catch up on. Yes, still and, do. Yeah. yeah, it was like the perfect storm of, you know, we've never taken a week off. In uh, six years. Yeah, so let's take one week off unannounced, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're back doing another show. We're going to do the the patron topic that we intended on releasing mm-hmm. uh, last week, so we'll do that yeah. this week. So it's it's a little late considering it's a New Year's topic, but uh, we hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, how a, was your How was your New Year's? It was good. It was good. I mean, just very chill. We, you know, we like you said, we had gotten back into town around the twenty eighth, and then took us a couple of days to kind of shake off the jet lag and then uh just decided to hang out at the house we didn't want to go anywhere with the surges and the omicron and all that shit happening so we just hung out i made us uh, stay up you know and as i as i mentioned um in on, or i will future mention in another show we we've become obsessed with this show the challenge on paramount plus and so we just spent the night watching that show up until midnight watched the ball drop on uh, abc and then uh, calmly went to bed a few minutes later. So was that the Miley show? I don't know. No, it was just Ryan saying the balls dropping. We oh, literally okay. turned it on at like twelve or eleven fifty nine or eleven fifty eight. So we didn't see any of that stuff. No, I, I don't care about those shows. I don't give a fuck about performances. I don't, I don't need to watch any of yeah. that nonsense. So it's just not for me anymore. Uh, so just want to watch the ball drop so we could officially celebrate it together. You know, give each other a kiss, a couple of drinks, and. It was a nice time, and then ran on off to bed and picked it up in 2022. But yeah, how about yours? Uh, I mean, it's it, it, New Year's is nothing anymore. <laughs> well, I I don't drink. She doesn't really drink all that much. Right, you know, right. She'll have a glass of wine every, once in a blue moon. Yeah, and it, it's a, to me, it's a young man's holiday. Yes, or, young, a person's young person's holiday. holiday. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, I walked out on my deck. Uh, at midnight and people were firing off fireworks in the neighborhood so i watched the fireworks for like five minutes it was cold and then uh i went back inside i mean i wasn't feeling 100 percent anyway so i just right. stood out there and was like oh hey new year's i you know hey happy new year and then i walked back in uh um, right some people were yelling happy new year and banging pots and all that jazz but wow uh yeah it was just a normal it's Roughly what I did last year and the year before and the year before yeah. that. And it's been a long time since I really gave a shit about New Year's. It was I after a while, it just always got so underwhelming. You build yeah. it up. We got to do something for New Year's. We got to do something amazing. And then every time it's like, hey, it's the same. Yeah. In the end. In yeah. the end. I'm drinking just like I was the night before. How right. is this any different? And we're just paying five times the sum to do it. <laughs> That's a good point because yeah. everybody's out doing it. Yeah. And you're paying to get into some bar or restaurant or whatever and yeah. exorbitant prices. And just like, this is stupid. 
Yeah. And you're hoping, you know, that you, that it's momentous, that it's a commemorative thing and that you move on. But like for, from last year into this year, I mean, people are like trepid, people are cautiously optimistic about 2022, but like there's that PTSD from 2020 and 2021 that people are suffering through now. And so um, I, I, that's another reason why I felt like it was a bit of a muted celebration, to be honest with you. And I was shocked. Like, we were watching the ball. I didn't know there were so many. I didn't know they were going to still do the New York thing where people are out there in the streets, some wearing masks, some not wearing masks. I thought that was crazy to have an event when they're canceling shit all over the place to have an event where people are out there like acting the fool, especially in New York. Uh, when you know the, the cases are spiking like crazy, it just didn't make sense to me to have a situation like what? that. I thought it was a bad look, in my opinion. I had read that they were just limiting the number that could be in Times Square to like 3,000 people or something. I don't know if that's the case. A lot of people, when I saw it, they were all like literally on top of each other by the guardrails and and what have you. So to me, I just, they may have limited it, but didn't mean that people weren't there acting the fool. And so, you know, had the weird. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just quite a few people that are sick of it all and don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to kind of, you know, yeah. hope that something is. Yeah, I guess well, you're right. Well, it's like a live and let die right. situation right. at this point for quite a few people that yeah. I, I personally know. It's just like, I'm done. I don't. Right. Like, all right. Um, <laughs> you know, previously they were pro max and all that, or yeah. mask rather. And now it's just like, you know what? If I die, I die. I don't care anymore. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The last thinking i saw is that because omicron spread so quickly we might be able to get to herd immunity because of that fact yeah yeah certainly it's 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 more transmissible but it's less deadly is what the they yeah. keep saying so and a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that ju- they're gonna get it and they're just gonna get past it and come out the other side so no big yeah. deal you know no big deal to me yeah no big deal until Hospitals are overwhelmed and people can't get any kind of elective surgery or their cancer doesn't get diagnosed now for another year. And it went from stage two to stage four and just like, okay, well, there is a downside to live and let die at, you know, attitude, but I I can't, I, I I think you can have it in the overly vaccinated, like in the vaccinated areas, I think you can have that live or let die attitude because odds are you're probably just going to get the mild symptoms. But in the unvaccinated areas, in the areas where people are like, you know, hardcore against anti-vax or a hardcore anti-vaccination, I think that's where you're running the big danger of the overflowing hospitals and people not getting diagnosed and whatever. It becomes maddening, you know. So, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Two years into this and uh, yeah, still sucks. Well, I'm starting to see some cele- – obviously, Rogan – you know, he's doing his thing for his, his attention, but I'm starting to see more and more celebrities start to kind of make the turn. Like I follow Michelle Wolf on, um, on, um, Instagram and she's now starting to come out with some kind of anti COVID or anti vax type of feelings saying that the government is trying to keep them in. And I'm like, please stop. Please fucking just stop. Just tell the jokes, man. Stop it. Like this, this kind of stuff. I just kind of go, it's, it's kind of dangerous. People say, Oh, I did my own research. What fucking research? You can't even balance your fucking checkbook. What research are you fucking doing? Like, give me why? A yeah. Why are you balancing a checkbook? That's my question. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. When was the last time you actually balanced your checkbook? It's been 20 years for me and I hated doing it then. <laughs> fine, fine. You have a problem putting the Costco card inside the slot, keeping it there. Quick, thinking it out quick. Oh, sure. 
But then you're uh, going to tell me that you fucking done your own research. I just find that to be comical beyond comical. Yeah. I, sense, I, uh, trust me. I, <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Um, <laughs> I know quite a few, you know, people that uh, I've known for a long time who've gone off the deep end in the past yeah. two years. And, it's a shame. Uh, yeah. It is a shame. It is yeah. a shame. Hopefully they return, you know, back yeah. from the deep end and back to the shallow with the rest of us. <laughs> in the shallow. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, yeah, I try and I'm at this point, it's become so overwhelming that uh, oh, yeah, I just yeah. I don't judge anymore. I don't it's just like, all right, fine. The progressive right, yes. culture is at this point, you either are or are not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I fucking I don't have the mental space to do this anymore. That's my reaction now. And and I'm with you, man. And, and like I go, ah, oh, that's a shame. It's a shame. I don't mm. get upset. I don't get all frustrated. I just get more like, ah, it's a shame. Another one pushing obviously hit their limit and just now going to push use their platform to push this kind of nonsense and just like okay fine uh i guess you're going to do that uh, yeah, yeah knock yourself out it's your right it's your platform you say what you want to say i just think it's yeah do whatever you want ridiculous. and then there you know there are people whose stances i agree with and they're so mm -hmm. if you don't do it their way right. you're doing it wrong and you're like right. well how is that leading to a healthy conversation you're not <laughs> helping this situation well i'm right i even if you are yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it's crazy out there right now. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, moving on. Onwards, upwards. <laughs> Twenty two is going to be the year. This is the year. It's going to be the year. Dude, oh my god. Yeah, we are getting laid so much in twenty two. Yeah, what? We're getting laid? Is that what you said? Oh yeah, dude. Wow. Oh yeah. Okay. Chicks are going to be out. Chicks. Okay. Yep. You and me, buddy, we're gonna be out prowling. No, don't put me in this. No, I, I'm pretty I'm, sure you're out there. I'm quite happy matting around that. with me. It's fine. I talked to my wife. She's cool with it. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can leave me out of that one, man. Dude, <laughs> 22. No inhibitions, bro. It's a whole yeah. new world. Let it all hang, bro. It's a whole bro. new world. Let Can't wait, hang. man. 22. It's everything's everything's on the up and up in 22. Uh, <laughs> all the movies that keep getting delayed now again that slate next year is going to be amazing yeah agreed agreed <laughs> isn't there a scream uh reboot yes. coming and people yes. are now like should they delay it and i've got uh, uh i've got the screening for it on monday night if it's still if it's still happening if they're still releasing it or I, I think they're at this point they're too locked in but they yeah. want to is what I read. The producers would like to hold off, but they really? can't at this oh. point. Well, it's coming out of January, which is not a good sign. So, oh, of course, I'm worried about it on Monday night. I'm worried if I'm going to enjoy it or not. So, I've got my ideas about it. We shall see. We yeah, shall I, see. I never know how any of those horror movies are going to do. Right. So, right. is there a big fan, uh, you know, uh, group or whatnot that was clamoring for a sequel to this or is it a reboot no it's a it's a new installment because they're bringing back courtney cox and um, is nev campbell coming back nev campbell's coming back and so is david arquette so they're they're the only three that they've announced and who knows if like you know the killer is somebody from the past but it's those three that they've announced that are going to come back for this or back for this one um and it's apparently a serial killer that is hunting down other 
the relative or other serial killers, and I think they're relatives. So that's for I just did a like three um vo- videos for it for Crypt TV because I do the voiceover for some of their horror stuff, and the the, the stuff they sent me were some of the things from the movie, and one of those mm-hmm. I think said where the motive of this particular killer for Scream is going after the the relatives of the previous killers in the Scream movies. So interesting stuff. So who knows what yeah. that's going to lead to. But yeah, No idea. How many Screams have there been at this point? I think this is the sixth one. Jesus Christ. I think there's been a five. Or maybe I'm, maybe it's the fourth one. I don't Fucking want. blood from a stone. <laughs> I don't want to get these Scream people mad at me. Um, let's see. Scream. Yeah. Scream 4 came out in 2011. There's been a obviously Scream One, Scream Two, Scream Three, Scream Four. I don't see a Scream Five, so maybe only four Scream movies, and this is the fifth one. There has been Scream the TV series, which came out in 2015, and there was didn't know that existed. Yeah, and there was a show called Scream Queens, which I don't think it was part. Yeah, I remember when that came out, but I don't. I didn't think that that had anything to do with Scream movie. I thought it was more about you know horror. Uh, in general, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, where is it? Yeah, ninety, yeah, ninety six is Scream, ninety seven, Scream two, two thousand, two thousand four, and yeah, and then two thousand twenty two. So yeah, this is the fifth installment in the Scream franchise, coming out eleven years later. So there you go. Good luck. I hope uh, people enjoy it. I will yes. not be seeing it because I don't really give a shit, but. I don't really go in for horror, so yeah, that's it's your, unsurprising. It's not your bag. Ah, it's just not. Scream 2 was the last one I saw. I didn't see Scream 3 or 4 or mm. the TV show, which I didn't know existed until you said it two seconds ago. <laughs> I think I've only seen... Um, I think I've seen more of the scary movie franchise than I've seen the Scream franchise. I think I've seen more of those. Okay. Which I enjoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. Shit, there's probably been more of those at this point than there have been screams. Yeah. There's been what, like six scary movies? Yeah. Let me see here. Scary movie franchise? <coughs> Let's see here. I, I think there have been a few of those. Oh, there's been a bunch of those. Well, I scary would assume six, even. <laughs> so, yeah, six was my guess. Six or seven, but six is my guess. Let's see. <laughs> Because that was what? Anna Ferris. How many of those were she around for? Ah, you're asking the wrong person. Fair enough. Yeah, there's I... only been five of them. So. Oh, there's only been five? Yeah, only five. The last one was in 2013. So I imagine they're probably working on one to react to this one. So. Oh, well, yeah, it's got it. Well, it's always that plus any other teen movie and horror, horror teen movie that came out. Since the last one that they could spoof. Yeah. But then the spoof genre, you know, whatever, Meet the Spartans. It just became this yeah. weird. We're cobbling together all big movies and creating some weird hybridized, you know, quote unquote comedy. This is crazy how much this this franchise has made. It's made $896 million at the box office with a total budget for all five films of $177 million. Yeah. Sounds all right. The first movie made $278 million, if you can believe that. $278 million fucking dollars. Good God almighty. 
And that one had the lowest budget. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody knew who fuck Anna Ferris was. Yeah. Um, I mean, didn't it have one of the Wayans brothers? Maybe more. Yeah, Sean. Sean Sean. Wayans. And then, aren't they the directors? Could have been on the first one. Keenan directed the first one and the second one. Keenan Ivory Wayans. And Sean was, and Marlon were writers on the first one. Craig and Sean and Marlon were, were some of the writers on the second one. And then it went to Zucker for Scary Movie 3 and 4 with Jim Abrams. <laughs> and then Malcolm D. Lee did the fifth one. So, and it did not, it was the first in the franchise to not feature Anna Ferris and Regina Hall. Still made $72 million in the box office worldwide. Yeah, that's amazing. Good for them. <laughs> Good for you. Scary Movie 4 made $178 million. Dude, what the fuck? Who's going to see these movies? I Matt. Know, Id- idiot kids. Matt, who is That's going, who's to, going see to see it? People that haven't seen enough movies to know wow. what movies potentially could be good and what aren't. Here are the people. Bill Pullman has been in a scary movie. Craig Bierko. George Carlin. Queen Latifah. Eddie Griffin. Tim Curry. James Woods. These are like <laughs> good actors. Leslie Nielsen, of course. Anthony, Charlie Sheen, of course. Anthony Anderson. Chris Elliott. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of those names, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like that's Bierko <laughs> before Cinderella Man and right. getting other things. But at the same time, Bierko did Three Stooges after all that. Oh, that's right. Him and, um, what's her face? Yeah, from Gloria from fucking, uh, Modern Family, right? Sofia Vergara, that's her name. Yeah. Mm. Craziness. Craziness. Uh, anyway, let's get into the list, man. We've done enough kibitzing, for lack of a better term. Anything sure. you want to say sports wise? Anything you want to touch on sports wise? Anything uh, uh, bothering you about I, I won my fantasy league. So, oh, champion. Congratulations. Champion once again. Thank you very much. Nice. Got the nice payday, but more importantly, got my name on the trophy for the third time. So, that's all that matters, <laughs> baby. That's all that matters. Is this the comedy store one? Yeah. I'm nice. now. Three and six in the championship. So, wow. Not bad. Yeah. I made the championship uh, six times in 11 years, 10 years, 11 years. Respect. Respect, man. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. But uh, I intentionally sabotaged the last week of the season so that I could uh, get the more advantageous matchup in round one. So you purposely. I purposely did what I could without adding or dropping players on my team. To give myself the best chance to lose, uh, you pulled a Mike Tomlin. Arrested well, your best players. Listen, I did. Well, I subbed in Jarvis Landry when he was on the COVID list right before kickoff because I didn't want the other guy. Because basically, whoever won this game became the number one overall seed, right? And I wanted to play who was currently in the third seed because his wow. team had been destroyed by covid oh my god and injuries it just he was a shell of himself and so i was like well if i get him in round one yeah and it also the other the other dude that i was fighting with number one overall uh he had the strongest team left i didn't oh. have the best team i gotcha. gotcha i'm not saying it i had a good team but i didn't have the strongest team right, right and right. then he had a bad week in the first round of the playoffs and then i took the championship that baby. really set you up right on man yeah well you know 
Do what you can, but a win is a win is a win. Wait, hold on a sec. So you're saying the the other team that ha- the team that was the number one seed was the best yes. team, but it got knocked out in the first round. First round of the playoffs because wow. he had like three of his starters end up on COVID lists. Oh, devastation. Yeah. And uh, he still ended up only losing by like 10 points. Wow. Yeah. He had a good team. I, uh, I, I played an eight. I won two of them. Mm. I got third place. Eight. Jesus. I love to play fantasy shit in basketball and football. I will play up to eight leagues. Um, but yeah, I won two of them. I got third place in another two. And then the other ones I didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Or if, or if I did, I got knocked out and I'm in the consolation type thing, you know, but no, no, cause only the top four teams made the playoffs. So yeah, only four of my leagues, I went to the playoffs and the other leagues, I got the consolation shit. Um, but I tell you this, Aaron St. Brown saved my ass in those two leagues. I won like picking him up randomly. He was sitting there on the, yeah, nobody uh, wanted him. Yeah. Nobody wanted him. And I was, and I was looking for a receiver because like you, I had Jarvis on one of my teams and I had somebody else on one of my, te- Oh, Hopkins who went down with the AIR. Yeah. So I was like, ah, I got to find somebody. Maybe there's a Jets receiver rolling around who's doing well or whatever. And then I saw this guy on the Lions, and I'm like, this is a good, some good fucking numbers the last three yeah. weeks. So I'm like, ah, fuck. It just, it, I like didn't pick him up because it's, it's Jared Goff. Right. That's it's what like, I was thinking. Ah. He's not going to get the ball. And then. Yeah, well, even if he does, it's going to be like one good game, and then it's yeah. going to be three games of shit. It's Jared Goff. Yeah. But that kid put up 15 to 16 points every week, and I was like, this is fantastic. And in one of them, I got the Jamar Chase game, the 50-point game, which was oh my insane, God. dude. Such a great season. <laughs> such a great season. What do you think? You think the, you think the Bengals? Do you think the Bengals are going to – like, do you think – I mean, they no. fucking molly the Chiefs, man. They, they they put the Chiefs on notice, dude. Um, <sighs> I've never heard the term molly <laughs> Really? Okay. No, it feels like some, like, holdover, the, the anti-Irish slur from 1850. <laughs> It does. It sounds like Patty whacked. Uh, Molly whopped him. Like Molly's another way to call it's, an Irish person Irish. It's to strike, slap, or slam into one, either once or repeatedly, to wallop one. Uh, there yeah, we go. I'm not saying it wasn't <laughs> accurate. I'm just saying I've never heard of it. It just sounds like some... I'm looking for the genesis of this because I hope I'm not saying some slang. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like, if Patty whacked, do you really feel bad they it started as one thing doesn't mean it is that now. That's true, but I just don't want LeBron tweet at me about it. Well, um, it might happen nonetheless. I mean, you are a Wizards fan. That's true. So he could attack you. Uh, I got to find this gen- Molly Wap Genesis. I got to look this up because it's got to be something. There's got to be some kind of... Uh, I yeah, don't know. It doesn't say. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Uh, so two championships, not too shabby. Congratulations. Oh, uh, yeah, it's fine. But, you know, when you play eight, though, it doesn't really mean that much. If I played one league and won it, that's there's a lot more effort involved in that, you know? So I think because yeah. every decision takes care is extra significance. You know? Well, it's more so because I know all these people and we're talking shit to each other. Oh, I'm sure. So <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. The guy that ended up first. You know, we have a group thread and was talking tons of shit and everybody was like, whatever, it, as long as anybody else wins. And then as soon as I won, the text thread was all celebrating the fact that he didn't win. Yeah. It wasn't uh, congratulations. It was, hey, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it carries more. It's, it's the only one I've done numerous before. I've never done eight, though, man. That's a lot for me, at least. Oh, yeah. No, fair. 
Yeah, I, but those are the only two I play is uh, the NBA and the NFL. It's just fun. For me, it keeps me abreast of the players. So it's kind of oh, yeah. like, you know, kind of checks both boxes there. Yeah, you definitely learn. Yeah. Numerous players. Um, I had one friend that started doing it just so he could have conversations about football with his friends because he doesn't watch football. Oh, yeah. And then he was like, yeah, you end up kind of learning. And I was like, yeah, you learn about at least a couple of players on every team. So if a game is on, you have some sort of rooting interest. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, here we go. Molly Wap <laughs> is believed to have had its inception during the 1980s somewhere around the San Francisco Bay Area. The term is still popular in that area. Locals have used the term frequently that is now popular slang in the Bay Area. The term was so popular that it was used in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where it was used in an episode to indicate an impending brutal fight between two individuals. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Thank God it's not a racist term. All right. Let's let's move on. Yeah, but that doesn't say where it came from. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess. I guess you're right. What do you got? To, who do you got in the finals, man? Who do you got right now in the Super Bowl? Do you get any thoughts on that? I don't. Do you, who the hell knows? Yeah. This has been one of those rare years where it really looks like yeah. anybody could be in there against anybody. Hey, yeah. I literally like, have no idea. I mean, technically right now in the NFC, I guess Green Bay. But their defense, if you've got a run attack, I think yeah. you could take them down. It could be Tennessee and the Saints. It could be. Oh my God. Well, the Saints, then. No, uh, the Saints got no shot. Come on. He's never they've know. got no shot. Tennessee, yeah, they've managed to string together wins where I thought that they might have faltered a little bit, and then Derrick Henry's going to be activated this weekend, whether or not he plays. Oh, that's right, true. Yeah. But get him a little bit of what's crazy is he hasn't played since Halloween. He's still fifth in rushing, I believe. Wow, that's nuts. That, that is, is nuts. nuts. It's nuts. That's how good that guy is. But, yeah, I mean, Tennessee is the number one seed. If they win, I think they're playing the Jaguars, then they're set. So getting Derrick Henry an extra week of rest – before you have to play, oh my god, good. Night. Yeah, it's huge, especially if you can just get him in to have some meaningless downs. But yeah, yeah, run a little bit. Don't take much heavy contact. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. <sighs> AFC to me is a big fat question. They're both question marks, but I would assume the Packers. I don't trust, have, but they're gonna choke. They they're very well could. I hope they do. I'd love yeah. nothing more than seeing the Packers lose. Me too. Now with Aaron Rodgers and the shit he pulled this year, yes, I wanted to choke the fuck on out of the oh, well, that's just yeah. That's yeah. more fuel in the fire of me not liking the Packers and be like <laughs> But I just love the fact that he wanted out and they're the best team in the NFC. I could see the, the Eagles going on a fucking run here, man. I'm not even maybe. joking. It's I'm entirely possible. Joking. Yeah. I believe in that more than I do the Saints. Yeah, fair. Fair. I mean, because the Packers, I think, are gonna choke out. The Rams look suspect now because Stafford is looking like crap the last three weeks. The Buccaneers just lost AB with that with that insane situation. And yeah, now he's having surgery. He's done. Godwin's out for the season. Right. Evans is banged up. Gronkowski's, of course, banged up. Like the yeah, defense just gave up 250 yards of yeah. rushing to the Jets. Tampa Bay's done. Yeah. The Cowboys don't look exciting. Nope. Kyler Murray looks suspect all of a sudden for Arizona. I yeah, can't San Francisco's no threat. How are they nine and seven? I'm fucking insane that the 49ers are nine and seven. <sighs> I don't know. All right. But you want to jump into today's show? Because we're yeah, at almost a half hour. Oh, sorry, sorry. Let's jump into it. Yeah, we're talking about top 10 uh, New Year's Eve scenes in movies. And this is brought to you by one of our patrons, our Boss Hog patrons. Who is it, Matt? 
Uh, this comes from Drew Inns. So thank you, Drew, oh, for thank you, Drew. sending us in uh, this excellent topic. Uh, hopefully the uh, delay makes it uh, all that much better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he sent in the topic and we were like, that sounds like fun. And we we're going to do it. So it's our favorite New Year's Eve scenes uh, in, in movies. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's jump into it. And uh, Matt, the, how does the show work? Uh, once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top 10 lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 lists, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Let's At do it. 10, I've got Forrest Gump. Ooh. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Good choice. Go ahead. I didn't put that on my list. Nice. Not on your list. Um, it's like, it's a nice bonding moment between Gump and Lieutenant Dan. Yes. Especially when they go back to the apartment and the girls are disrespectful to him. Mm-hmm. And you can see basically the friendship has blossomed beyond this begrudging camaraderie from the fact that they used to serve together and they're kind of stuck together. Yeah. Uh, and it builds from there so much so that eventually, you know, they go on the, the fishing boat and they yeah. have a friendship that blossoms. But it kind of, you know, somewhat starts in that moment mm-hmm. where they they stand shoulder to shoulder in the face of this indignity. Uh, but I, I think Gary Sinise being depressed in the middle of new years, I've had many a new years like that where everybody else seems really happy and celebrating him. I'm like, ugh, I got nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got nobody to kiss right now. I got this last year suck. This year looks like it's going to suck. It's just like, Oh, whatever. It's a bad new year's. Yeah. Uh, so it's just him being a wet cat at that bar. Has always stuck with me. <laughs> so it's something identifiable to me. Of uh, yeah, I've had New Year's like that for sure. I think most people have, if uh, yeah. they're being honest. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I chose it for that. Yeah, I like it. it's a good choice. I mean, it's it's that moment in the it's that uh, t- uh, spot in the movie where you're like, okay, where are we going next? And you see the bitterness and the frustration and the anger. Of mm-hmm. Lieutenant Dan, and so in Gary Sinise getting a chance to shine in a role like this, and in that moment, and then you're seeing Forrest trying to think the best of the situation, always in these weird spots with these people, and trying to see the best of the situation, see the best of them, but also incredibly uncomfortable um, in all of that, and especially with the unwanted uh, advances from the girls because uh, he's he's all about Jenny. So yeah, it's an interesting scene for sure that shows you that the film is about to go into a darker place for a bit. And there are some darker moments, certainly with uh, with Gary Sinise and his Lieutenant Dan, which is why that all of that leading to that moment in the thunderstorm is so fantastic, man. That is on the boat. Such yeah. a great fucking sequence. Um, people bash. I know people bash that movie, but fuck that. I like that movie. I will defend that movie. Hey, it's all right to me. <laughs> all right. What's it's it's just appreciated over time. Overall, yeah. like I loved it in the theater. Yeah, right. Of course. And for the next few years after that. And then ever since then, I'm like, it's good. It's not <laughs> You know, the end all be all to me, but I know some people it's one of their, if not their favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Some people really, yeah, it's true. To each their own. Fair enough. All right. What's your nine? Uh, my number nine is the apartment. Oh, go ahead. I've, I've still never seen the apartment. So go ahead, my man. Oh, really? Yeah. It's one of those ones. It's kind of, you know, blind spots that I have in my classics uh, repertoire. So please go ahead. Oh, it's a nice, sweet ending. So Jack Lemon plays basically like a, a young guy on the the come up at a company and his boss wants to have a dalliance with, I believe it's Shirley McLean. Yeah. 
and they want to use Jack Lemon's apartment for their right. rendezvous. And he agrees to it because it could give him basically a leg up in, in moving up the corporate ladder type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and he's a nice guy about it, but he ends up having a bond with Shirley McLean and doesn't care for the way that she's treated. And ultimately it's at new year's and it's the culmination of the movie. And it's her rejecting the situation that she's in of like, listen, I'm the side woman of, you know, I'm the, the adulteress here type yeah. of, and it's her and Jack lemon coming together on new year's. And it's a nice way to end it. Cause otherwise not, you know, you're watching it going, I'm not sure how they end this other than the two of them kind of get together. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, because of the pivotal nature of it happening on new year's and, uh, uh, I'm a sucker for Jack lemon pretty much always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would love to have grown up with Jack lemon as my, you know, uh, movie star. Totally. Type, uh, one of the guys to go out, he's just always seems so likable and enjoyable. And then yeah. he's one of the ones where I think you can go back for the majority of his movies, uh, that I think they really hold up. Yeah. You know, like yeah. some like it hot. That's still really movie. good. Oh yeah. yeah. Still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, where there are quite a few black and white movies, but the, the pacing, the editing and whatnot, yeah. it's tougher for a modern audience to kind of delve into. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I would recommend the apartment. Okay. Yeah, I definitely. I know one best picture. I think in nineteen sixty. So yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, and I think Billy Wilder is the director. So certainly classics all classic uh, stamps all over that thing. So yeah, I should definitely watch it at some point. Maybe, you know, uh, you know, maybe create some space to start doing that for sure. All right. So then, what's your number eight? When, when you what, come go- back on the seniors tour for Schmodown, they might have <laughs> a seniors tour section of movies, and it would seem like this would be right in the wheelhouse of that. You some bitch. I'm never coming back. I'm done. Hey. Done. Oh, by the way, if the Bears win this weekend, you owe me five bucks. Oh no. Yep. Did that happen? They're six and ten right now. I said what seven and crap? ten. You're like five bucks. All right, no problem. They're not going to be seven and ten. So are y'all playing the Vikings? Nah, forget it. Ah, I think we got a shot. You're at Minnesota. I know, but it's they just put good. Justin Fields on the COVID list. Uh, yeah, but Minnesota looks frustrated, and I'm not sure what they're playing for. So I could see them just being dejected and not giving a shit. I'm just saying, you might owe me five bucks. Fine, put it put it on my tab. Hey, come on, you can Venmo me five dollars. I think I can Venmo you five bucks. Aren't you glowing enough from your victory of your fantasy football? You want five bucks from me? Yes, we made a bet. A bet is a bet is a bet. It's five dollars. So... It's not like it's high stakes. <laughs> They're actually still charging like $300 to Oh no, there's actually a $96 ticket available on the sideline as a Chicago Bears in Minnesota. I could fly into Minnesota and watch the game for $96. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, that's, um, wow, that's a surprisingly cheap ticket. <laughs> that's like right on the 50-yard line almost, too. Yeah. Um all right, so fine. I'll owe you 5 bucks if they tell. So now I've got something to cheer for in that game. All right. <laughs> let's go Kirk Cousins. I haven't said that in a long time. Um, all right. What's your number? Well, what's your hopefully number? he let you down like he did so many times in the past. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> yep. That guy, you... I've, no one has made more money in the NFL being oh, as mediocre great. as that son of a bitch is as Kirk Cousins. That's the thing though. Every once again, he shows flashes and you're like, this dude is, is decent. Yeah. You know, um, they win that game if he plays last week. But More fucking likely. stupid ass finally got bit by that COVID anti-vaccination stance, and he cost his team at a critical fucking game. Yep, and he cost his team, dude. Yeah. Miss out on the playoffs because of it. Yep, yep. So was it worth it, Kurt? Fucking stupid, man. Absolutely I don't stupid. 
Don't think he cares at this point. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, anyway, all right. Um, yeah, because who did they lose to? It was a fucking... Um, uh, they, yeah, it was the Packers. They yeah. played a better game against the Packers, for sure. For sure. The Packers were there to be beat by the... The fuck did they almost get beat by the other day? The Cardinals, right? Or the no, the uh, the Browns. The Browns had them dead to rights. The Stefanski doesn't do that stupid or Kitchen. Stefanski doesn't do that stupid shit of not giving the ball to Chubb. They win that fucking game. So even with four interceptions from Baker. Um. Anyway, all right. Yeah, What's your number? The Browns, eight? though. Yeah, it's true. Uh, eight. I've got trading places. Oh, where is that on my list? I think that's a punt. It is a punt. Yes. Mm. Okay. Big time punt. All right. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So then my number 10 is While You Were Sleeping. All right. Go for it. I love this movie. It's one of those Sandra Bullock vehicles that really fucking works, you know, because this is like, this is peak Sandra Bullock at this romantic comedy nadir. She's at the peak of it, of the genre. And this is a fun film, a really sweet film, a charming film. And in the New Year's Eve scene, Everything is coming to a head, right? She's gotten to know uh, Peter Gallagher's family, and uh, Jack is starting to have feelings for her, Bill Pullman. And this New Year's Eve night, it's just kind of a weird night for her. And the the landlord's son, who has kind of hit on her a few times, he shows up with some ro- uh, a horseshoe of a wreath or something like that, and she's happy to see him. But then he asks her if she's wearing a black bra. Uh, just with that moment, we could be nice to her. He fucking goes sexist. She slaps him in the back of the head, takes off to this New Year's Eve party. Then Jack, who is Bill Pullman's character, confronts her out in the street saying, hey, uh, because uh, his teenage sister spread some rumor that she might be pregnant, that Sandra Bullock's character might be pregnant with Peter Gallagher's child. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we know in real life they never have any relationship uh, at all. She's, he's been in the coma. She just had a crush on him. So he takes it apart himself to be like, well, I'll marry you. I'll do the right thing if you're pregnant. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Leave me alone. Goes to a New Year's Eve. And he follows her to the New Year's Eve party. And then he loudly tells her, like, you need to stop drinking because you're pregnant. Like the arrogance of this guy. And she (laughs) fucking blows his spot up right there in front of the party. And she says to him, you know. Uh, if this is how you treat New Year's Eve, I can't or destroy my New Year's Eve. I can't wait. Why don't you show up on Easter and burn my apartment down? So it's a great empowering moment for Sandra Bullock. And randomly in one of these rom-coms, you know, rom-coms are all about, you know, like the, the girl falls in love or the girl has a thing and the guy's thing. And it's big, stupid comedy, awkward shit. Mm-hmm. This is one of those rare rom-coms where the woman goes, you know what? Fuck all you motherfuckers. I'm going to handle my business and stop believing rumors and bullshit about me. And step the fuck off. And I really appreciated that. So it's one of those rare things where Sandra Bullock gets to show like uh, how tough she is and how steely she is in a, in a rom-com. And so I, I really enjoy it. As opposed to Parker or Sandra Parker, or Sandra Jessica Parker or Sarah Jessica Parker and other people in rom-coms. I like Sandra Bullock in a rom-com. I mean, I think America agrees with you. <laughs> they like Sandra Bullock in a rom-com as well. As opposed to, I started to search my brain for what Sarah Jessica Parker has done rom-com wise. Failure to launch. Yeah, that's a rom-com. Well, even, I'm just saying. Even Kate Hudson's rom-coms, which are crap. Is it failure to launch? That's not Kate Hudson. No, Kate <laughs> Hudson is. Isn't that? Oh, uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. That's Kate. Yeah, Hudson. but I thought she was failure to launch as well. That's also Matthew oh. McConaughey. With like Terry that? Bradshaw as his dad or something. See, I'm retired, man. I'm retired. 
Well, this one won't be on the senior slice. You know? <laughs> They're not going to do rom-coms. Unless... She did one. Honeymoon in Vegas. That's kind of a rom-com. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. 100%. Right? Miami Rhapsody. A little bit of a rom-com. I don't remember that one. Till There Was You. Rom-com. Exactly. Something no one saw. Dudley do right essentially. Yeah, failure to launch. She was the one in failure to launch. Yes. Who else was in failure to launch? Matthew McConaughey. And Kate Hudson. Kathy Bates, Terry Bradshaw, Zoe Deschanel, Bradley Cooper. There is no Kate Hudson in that movie. Wow. Why do yeah. I remember? I guess it's just the conflation of Yeah. What a it probably felt pairing. like a Kate Hudson movie. Like Kate Hudson would totally be in this movie. Maybe they couldn't get her and they had to get Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Right? Because Kate, this is around 2003. So Kate's doing Alex and Emma. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is the same year as this one. And the divorce, then you, me, and Dupree. Ooh, and then Bride Wars. Ooh, an anti feminist movie. Um, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Just like I said, great stuff from Sandra Bullock. All right. She had a hell of a run. All right, so then my number nine then is About Time, which is another rom-com. Okay. Yeah, the British one. And I like this New Year's Eve scene because it is um, uh, Domhnall Gleeson uh, repeating this party, New Year's Eve party scene because he's meeting Rachel McAdams for the first time and he really wants to win her over and uh, get a, and, and like kind of win her heart. And so he keeps going back into the closet to go backwards in time and repeat the scene. So it's very cute and it's very funny because he keeps fucking up the scene in different ways. So it's almost like a mini Groundhog Day scene, uh, sequence rather, that is done as a montage. And so I really enjoy it. And it's very sweet. And he's great. And Rachel's great. And the awkward, funny, comedic, uncomfortable moments that he elicits with some of the stuff he says and the different places he goes and the lies he comes up with, um, I, I think are really funny. So okay. I, I think it's a damn good scene, a very sweet scene. Uh, and I know you haven't seen the movie, so I'm just going to put it out there. That it's I have good. not. I can describe the poster to you. I remember seeing that. <laughs> I bet Catherine's seen it. She She's probably seen it, right? If it's a British rom-com movie, is yeah, there odds on favorite? The, you know? I, if it was a TV show, I would agree 100%. Oh, right, 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 right. It's movie that maybe, maybe. maybe. Okay, all right. So then my number um, eight, and it's only because it's not a good movie, but I like the scene in the movie, is Ghostbusters 2. Is that well, higher up on you? Yeah, I figured it, it was higher on your list. It's a crap movie, man, but all right. What's your seven? I mean, crap is strong. I apologize. You're right. It's not, crap is a bit strong. It's not that good of a movie is what I'll say. All right. What's your set? Uh, seven is Poseidon Adventure. Oh, that's uh, Slight Punt. Slight Punt. Okay. What's your six? Uh, my six is Snowpiercer. Ooh, yeah, go ahead, man. Um, I had to cut that. I had to cut that one. Well, it's a, it's a great juxtaposition of how some of that train, how some of society mm-hmm. exists versus as the people are walking through and they're just in the midst of all this madness of these people are celebrating, having good, a good time and enjoying their lives. Yeah. And almost unbeknownst to them, what the vast majority of the people on this train or, you know, also known as society are experiencing and going through and just that, that tremendous, you know, black and white between the two. Yeah. You see the polarity of two vastly different worldviews. 
Um, I don't know. I, I just think it was beautifully illustrative as to the casts that are, are existing on this train overall. Um, and it's a, a an easy way to show the dysfunction within society. Yeah. Yeah. And that movie does it over and over and over again in very easily digestible ways yeah. that I think anybody can understand the metaphor or the analogy it's trying to make at any given time. Yeah. Um, and I understand why it wasn't a bigger hit. It's also a tough pill to swallow uh, just the overall discussion and, yeah. uh, you know, climate change and the large largesse of, of certain individuals and how that has a cascading effect on others and so on yeah. and so forth. Uh, plus also it's from a Korean director and yeah, you know, but, the biggest spangable stars, Chris Evans, but they have gotten a TV show out of it. Well, and Bong Joon-ho ended up winning best uh, director. Exactly. Best moves on just a couple of years later. Or a few yeah. Years later. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, now, if you put that out, I think it potentially could be an Oscar discussion that, that year. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas at the time, you know, I, I think people listening to this obviously know about it. Right. And have more than likely seen it. But right. if I said Snowpiercer, if that TV show didn't exist and I just said Snowpiercer to the average person, they wouldn't have the slightest clue. Yeah. Yeah. Having never heard of the movie. Uh, but yeah, it's a, just a beautiful piece of storytelling. Um, so. I, I chose it for that. Yeah, absolutely agree with you 100%. That's a damn good um, scene in that movie. And, you know, uh, once again, the word unsettling comes to mind, you know, because it's showing you, as you mentioned here, this the different spots that everybody is in, even within something like a train, you know, and, and the, the class structure there and all the madness involved in it for sure. Um, all right, so that was your six? That was my six. Okay, so then my number seven is Ocean's Eleven. Oh, the original? Yeah. Oh, no, either one. Because the heist happens on New Year's Eve. So the entire heist is the scene. It's all on New Year's Eve. In the Clooney? Yeah. I on thought New it Year's happened. Eve. There was like a boxing match. On New Year's that... Eve. Really? Yes. Yes. Wow, I'm blanking that out. Yeah. Okay. The heist happens on New Year's Eve. I yeah, knew the was... original happens on New Year's Eve. Yes. 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 Uh, I didn't think the follow-up did. Okay, go for it. They had to adhere to it, man. Come on. Yeah, I mean, what a scene. Oh, yeah, to that masterpiece. <laughs> we need to stay true to the original. There's so many fans. Oh, the original is terrible, man. I'm a Sinatra guy, and that original is horrible. Um, yeah, the, the the way they – I mean, I think this is what you're waiting for in the movie, right? This heist, how's it going to work out? And the many ways that it twists and turns and the genius of it all and Clooney kind of – you know, you think he's going to get caught up in the situation. You think uh, – Andy Garcia's got the best of them, but he's paid off all these people. Brad Pitt doing his thing is Rusty. You think Rusty's, uh, you know, kind of stopping Clooney from being part of the heist? No, it's all factored into the equation. And Bernie and then uh, Matt Damon and all the things that they do to kind of pull off the heist, which is incredible. And by the end, uh, he ends up getting Julia Roberts back uh, in that moment and uh, when he gets arrested and put in the back of the car. And she knows that he's pulled off the heist. It's incredible. And Garcia's sitting there with egg all over his face. So... I think this is one of the most fantastic sequences in the movie. And it was absolutely what made you um, realize why they remade this movie and how great of a director Soderbergh is, for God's sake. So that's why I have it on my list. Because also the whole heist is, you know, a bunch of scenes. Yeah. To, so. yeah I mean, we're having fun watching them have fun. Yes. Because you can tell that they had a blast making this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Didn't they ever? Yeah. Which is, you know, the original Rat Pack had a lot of fun making their movie as well. It's just the <laughs> end result wasn't something as pleasurable to yeah. anybody outside of them. Well, if you've got a lead actor who says, I'm only going to do one take. You're only paying me for one. <laughs> paying me for one take. That's okay. It's one way to look at it, Frank. All right, Frankie. All right, Chairman. Um, all right, so then my number six is uh, a classic from the 50s, uh, An American in Paris. Um, okay. Yeah. That New Year's Eve scene is uh, one of my favorite scenes in any musical, in any classic film, because it is near the end of the movie. It is when Jerry has realized that he's going to lose uh, Leslie Caron's character, uh, and he sees her there with uh, his French friend, um, who is, of course, like, what, 20 years her senior or something like that, or 15 years her senior. So he's just, like, kind of resigned to the fact he doesn't have her. And it's a dress-up party, and he ends up out on the balcony kind of looking out on Paris with the glass of champagne. Mm -hmm. And he sees this picture, and the picture leads him into this into the 16-minute nonverbal ballet sequence. And then by the end, he, which is an incredible sequence, if you're a fan of musicals or a fan of dance in any way, shape, or form, this is Gene Kelly at his peak as an artist, that entire sequence. And that film won Best Picture. Um, and it's incredible. And the way it ends and the whole many all the different dances him and Leslie Caron go through in, in that whole fantastical sequence. And then by the end, he ends up with her. In the end, he she they're back at the party, he says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to, it's going to always hurt because she comes up and kind of wakes him up from the dream sequence. And he says, yeah, I know you've got to do what you got to do, but I'm always going to love you. And it's always going to hurt to not be with you and blah, blah, blah. And then just when she's about to go with the French dude, she looks back, sees Jerry on the balcony, I think, and then realizes who she really loves and goes and apologizes to the French guy who is surprisingly magnanimous about the situation and runs back. So it's a lot that happens on New Year's Eve, but it culminates, uh, the whole film culminates in that whole scene. And then, okay. Scene. So, yeah, yeah, I love that film. I, I wish they put it out I've, before. I don't believe I've seen it. I'm like mm. 99% sure. I Fair feel enough. like I have, but I feel like I'm lying to myself that I have. Yeah, maybe you've seen scenes throughout the years. Yeah, like, but I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. Don't feel like I've watched the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just, it's one of those who doesn't know um, an American in Paris. Right, right. The right. title of it and whatnot. And it feels like I do know it, but I don't think that I had watched Right, it. right. Uh, all right. Well, Matt, that's our uh, bottom five. Is, why don't we take a quick break here? Uh, let's hear from our sponsors and then we'll jump into our top five, starting with you. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for sticking around with us to jump into our top fives of our top 10 list of uh, New Year's Eve scenes in movies. Matt starts us off. What do you got in number five, brother? Uh, five I've got Ghostbusters too. Oh, there's the punt. There's the punt. There it is. Um, just a huge scene. Yeah. For New Year's. And yeah. the fact that it is New Year's really propels because they need all the people basically sending good vibes to them. <laughs> uh, cheering him along to get the Statue of Liberty uh, humming and jamming, baby. You know, if they, if it's not said at New Year's, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So they'd have to completely alter. And I actually, I on some level, I think I enjoy that movie as much, if not more, than the original. What? Oh my god! Well, for the uh, uh, the art historian, sure, that sure, is Vigo's. Sure. Oh, Peter McNichol. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great. He's great. I I love him. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the longest time, I thought that's how he spoke. 
Well, I was a kid when I saw it. I didn't know him. And you it didn't wasn't see Dragon Slayer. You didn't see no, Dragon Slayer before. No. Okay. All right. And they just see, you know, they pop up on other things afterwards and be like, oh my God, that dude doesn't have that <laughs> tremendously dramatic accent from a made up European, Eastern European country. Um, uh, <laughs> but, imagine doing that accent in Veep as the character he plays in Veep. That would uh, be brilliant. It's, I mean, he's, oh. he becomes one of my favorites yeah. on Veep. <laughs> just so, just such a nasty. And the fact that he has all the senior votes in the, oh. you know, the Northeast <laughs> in like Connecticut or Vermont or whatever, he just controls the senior vote. Oh, when he dresses down Jonah every time, it's just joy. Every time. Just utter joy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so it's all, it's, it's the boundless hope <sighs> of what New Year's represents all right. of us right right and, and yeah it's also like uh, the way new york is sometimes portrayed of this this huge diverse city but also mm-hmm. if anybody can do it new york can fucking do it right right um so all of them like cheering along and singing and whatnot and once again the the good vibes that they put out that turns the slime from something that could be evil to as long as you impart goodness yeah it can do other things um you know, and they've got a, a good song going, and the Statue of Liberty comes in, and karate chops the top of the museum, and it's a good time, man. It's a good time. The music comes in, and Vigo is not happy with the, you know, he's just trying to transfer his consciousness onto that baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's a solid New Year's Eve scene. Here's a, a trivia question for you. What, what's the name of the song that they're singing? Uh, that's what? Put a Little Love in Your Heart? No. Hold on. Give me a second. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've got it on a list for settle the score. I know that. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, that makes that, sense. Our pop song list now is 25 pages long. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, let's see. Now, Rip City is not it. <laughs> no. No, there's a song in there called Rip City. Yes. Um. Well, it's not take control or whatever that gotta gotta take control. Oh, gotta gotta that's take the control. Bobby that's Brown the one. song. Yeah, that's the song, the the lead single of it. Yeah. Um it is Oh no, it's your love. Is lifting me higher. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it took me a second. Yeah. That was the um um Jackie Wilson. Uh but uh, Howard Huntsbury did the song for <laughs> the film and he did Jackie Wilson in La Bamba. That was okay. imitating Jackie Wilson, so they brought him in to do the song. But yeah, Your Love is Lifting Me Higher from Jackie Wilson, which is a great fucking song. So yeah, that's the thing I remember, that song, and then that that stuff with the Statue of Liberty, I think, which I thought was I mean, I liked it. Did I like the movie itself overall? No, I thought it was kind of weak, but the reasons for why mm-hmm. things were happening. But there are funny scenes. I mean, that court sequence is hilarious. Um, The stuff with Peter McNichol, as you mentioned, absolutely. And then this senior, and then this... um New Year's Eve moment here with the Statue of Liberty is great. So those are the three things that I do remember enjoying about the movie. But overall, not one of my favorites. Yeah, um, it's fine. <laughs> all right. So my number five is the punt from earlier for you, the Poseidon Adventure. Okay. Yeah, this is one definitely. The original, by the way, not the crap yeah. remake. Um, yeah. This is one of my favorite films, bar none, from the 70s. And the whole New Year's Eve sequence is just when the ship capsizes. So the whole... Genesis. So the whole reason, sorry, the whole foundation of the movie is the New Year's Eve scene when the waves hit and it 
just the sequence. I was seeing that dude fall all the way down into the glass, seeing the Christmas tree Mm and the the ramifications of everything that happens as the ship is being overturned. And then as the people who have survived this uh, initial uh, wave that has capsized the ship uh, start to figure out that they have to go to the, to the bottom of the ship by climbing up Um, all of that, how they figure it all out. Just incredible stuff, man. And, just one of those terrifying sequences in a, in a disaster film that is so well done uh, and kind of c- cements this film as one of the best disaster films ever. Uh, easily. Yeah. And as you said, the, the original is what you should go back and watch if you've never seen oh, yeah. it. It more than holds up. Gene Hackman is fantastic, but the ensemble cast of the other survivors around him yeah. are excellent in the stories that they have throughout as certain things befall certain characters really has impact. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and you get to know the characters that you're going to like follow through the whole sequence in the back mm-hmm. half of the movie after the, the wave capsizes with the Ernest Borgnine and Shelly Winters and red buttons and all them. And this is back when Leslie Nielsen was still doing serious shit. So he's yeah. like the ship's captain. Um, but yeah, you, you just the sound of all the, 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 um, the shit falling apart, the dishes cla- crashing, the tables, all of it, and the screams of everybody. It's, I mean, these are these are older people possibly doing stunts here, Matt. I thought were really well done. Well, I mean, it's an older cast. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I mean, considering true. Gene Hackman is your young lead, and he's probably what forty. Yeah. Well, also the desperation, right? I mean, they're hanging on to those tables that are on the ceiling. So it's like, you know, the, 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 what your terror would be like in desperate, desperate moments like that, that you're just holding on to whatever to survive. So yeah, it's just great stuff. Yeah. And then it's an exploration of uh, faith from Gene Hackman, who's kind of a a lost priest. Yeah. Yeah. The God helps those that help themselves. And then it's, he's been what cast aside by the church because they don't believe that that is a correct interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's the, the original is excellent. I wouldn't watch anything else personally. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. What's your four, man? Uh, my four is The Shining. Oh, oh, shit. Fuck me. All right. Go it's ahead. The tiniest of scenes. Yeah, it technically. is. But it's still a good fucking scene. It is. Well, it just cements the entire movie. <laughs> you see that that picture and you're like, oh, son of what what's going on here? Has he yeah. always been here? Is did he just get <laughs> consumed or subsumed into the the hotel itself? Like, what yeah. is going on with this? And black. <laughs> oh. It just it's a great capper to a movie that who doesn't love the shining if you love movies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's my, my choice. I don't know what exactly to say about the shining that we haven't said. Yeah. About shining. It's an awesome sequence though. When you go and see and, and see that I saw a bunch of people being smart asses on Twitter on New Year's Eve, putting that picture up of Jack in there and in the happy New Year's Eve stuff. But yeah, it's an incredible scene for sure. That's um, just kind of cements the horror of all of it uh, even more. And makes you like in your head, you're like, so how did this, how is this possible? Like, what is this all about? And they never answer it. They never answer it. Well, in Kubrickian fashion. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very true. He's answered it for himself and you can figure out your own. (laughs) Exactly. 
insane, insane. So, um, all right. So that's your that's your four. Correct. Okay. So then my four is Boogie Nights. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Go ahead. What's your three? Uh, three. I'm sure is a punt. When Harry met Sally. That is a punt. Yes. Okay. So then my three is the punt from earlier trading places. Okay. Three. All right. I, I, this scene makes me laugh every time. I mean, everything on the train sequence on New Year's Eve is just genius. Just absolute genius. Um, God, I forget the actor's name who plays the asshole from in the movie, but also the asshole in the breakfast oh, club. Yeah. He's the principal. Yeah. It's principal. Uh, yeah. I don't know his name either. He's the one that, I mean, <laughs> you get the horns. <laughs> But, you know, figures out that uh, Dan Aykroyd's terrible blackface isn't yes. real. Oh, my God. I can't believe that was the choice. You know? Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's the 80s, right? I but mean, Soul Man was a fucking movie, for dude. Sakes. Yeah. Soul Man was. But oh. the, the, the lead of Soul Man yeah. is not Dan Aykroyd. No, true. It's uh, C. Thomas. Yeah, C. Thomas Howell. Yeah. Um. I would love to see what Garrett Morris thought when fucking he saw this movie. Fuck that motherfucker. I was like, Richard Pryor. Eddie's in the damn scene. Yeah, it's true. Eddie's in the scene. In the fucking scene. Um, so did he think, oh, this is great? Oh, did he just bite his tongue? Cause he's this like the, totally this is what his, this is his first movie? It's his first movie or was 48 Eddie, hours? No, first? this was, uh, no, uh, 48 hours was first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So his second movie. So maybe yeah. it's just like, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm like a I'm rock still, boat. Yeah, I'm still young. I don't. Yeah. Or maybe he thought it was perfectly fine. He thought it was funny. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, you're 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 in the world of comedy, is stand up comedy. I'm sure that there's a lot more space uh, in terms of jokes and humor and whatever. That, oh, a hundred percent to get offended. So one thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. So what most people find offensive doesn't even register. <laughs> doesn't for I, a comedian? Yeah. Well, I just I you've heard so many jokes that oh, just, yeah. you realize that they're just jokes. Right, 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 right. Just because you're offended at this and you're not offended at the other doesn't mean you're right. Right, right. Uh, necessarily just means you take offense at certain things and not others. True. Uh, Paul Gleason is the actor who plays. But anyway, he's the he's the, the main asshole in the movie and getting on the train. And then, I mean, having Eddie do do the whole, Happy New Year! I mean, that's yeah. so fucking funny that Jamie Lee Curtis coming in and her, like, German outfit and Denholm Elliott wearing the yeah. priest stuff. I mean... By the way, I know people love Den Holm and the Raiders movies. He is fantastic in this movie. He is great as the butler who ends up helping them get back at uh, Don Amici and uh, 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 Paul, Bell uh, Paul Bellamy, I think his name is. Yeah, or Ralph Bellamy. Sorry, Ralph Bellamy. Yeah, Amici's the only one I know. Yeah, getting back at the – fuck, what was the name of the brothers? I forget the name. Uh, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the Duke brothers, the Duke brothers. That's it. Yes. Yes. The Duke Mortimer brothers. and Winston. Isn't it Mortimer and Winston? Duke? Okay. Could be yeah. Mortimer is the one that I remember. Yeah. Mortimer. <laughs> Such a great fucking white rich name. Mortimer. Yeah. Oh, Randolph. Yeah. Randolph and Mortimer Duke. Maybe. My bad. Yeah. Randolph and Mortimer. Oh, well, the most posh is like the Dan Aykroyd's accent early on, like yeah. down on his luck, but then he tries to go and win back his girl. And he shows up oh, all right. sloppy, and they're <laughs> they did that weird uh, I, Ivy League quartet to the girls. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean. It's like yeah. so cringe. Yeah, it is super cringe. How is how is this a, how is this ever a thing? Yeah, yeah, it's still a thing. I'm sure it's still oh, a thing, which is unsettling. 
It's terrible is what it that's, is. That's rich whiteness, man. It is weird. It's a weird it's, subculture yeah. of the world, man. I don't rich understand it in the slightest. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither do I. But that whole sequence is very, very funny. And the way it all plays out. And of course, him ended up in the cage with the gorilla, which I think mm-hmm. is hilarious, getting sodomized by the gorilla. And that's funny. Um, so yeah, that's why it's one of my favorite. Plus it's Eddie and it's Dan and Jamie Lee. So all of it just works for me so well. It's, it's a scene I go back and watch multiple times. Um, all right. So then what's your two? Uh, my deuce is Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. Let's talk about it. Boogie Nights. Uh, poor, poor little Bill. Oh, oh my God. Poor little Bill. Yeah. I think this is all one shot, isn't it? It feels like it, Matt, when you're watching it. Following him. Oh, you mean for William H. Macy when he yeah, walks? Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he walks in, sees his wife yeah. messing around again. The great Nina Hartley. Yeah. Yeah, and then walks into the hallway, and then they put the painting up afterwards. Oh, right, right. The in the hallway painting. to right. basically commemorate here Here was little Bill. But, I mean, the whole sequence, like uh, Don Cheadle's character Oof. with the ridiculous get up again because oh, he's still God. searching for a sense of identity yeah and then he yeah. takes that off and it's just like i, I don't know yeah. yeah um and then the the girl i i don't know the actress's name but she's another porn star and he's like oh what do you want to do and he starts talking about the speaker store and whatnot oh, yeah. but you can see that their their bond starts in that moment yeah that's melora um, walters yeah she's melora walters yeah she was the one in um Magnolia, who is with John C. Riley. It's the same actress. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Great actress. Love her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just it's got numerous pivot points for various characters. Yeah. Where they spin off into different arcs from what transpires on New Year's. Yeah. Uh and it just when this was uh presented as a topic, it was the second thing I thought of. My number one is my number one. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was the very first thing I thought of. Yeah. And this was like, okay, well, then there's the little Bill scene. Right. And then went on from there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you're right. So many uh, – this is the end of the joy of their – this is the Goodfellas moment. This is – It's a loss of their innocence. Yeah, it's this is where we go into the 70s, right, for the Goodfellas. Where we go right. into, this is where we yeah, go, into go the, the 80s, 80s, yeah. Where porn becomes, like, just horrific and fucking totally abusive, and you're seeing the change. And – uh, Dirk Diggler finally sees that there's so much drugs and violence involved in the porn industry because it kind of plays or prays or relies, sorry, relies upon your worser impulses, which is to have this kind of sex and hedonism. Mm-hmm. It eventually opens the door to, uh, more brutal stuff, you know, eventually and more of a debasement uh, approach to human beings to women specifically. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not against porn, but I know when you, when you take it all the way to the, to the nth degree, it opens the doors for more hardcore shit, you know, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, but, uh, it's a very well done sequence. And kind of, as you said, Matt kind of launches these other storylines we're going to follow in the back half of the movie and the tragedy that, uh, yeah. follows the back half of the movie. Whereas Goodfellas ends with that kind of, I'm getting, you know, spaghetti sauce that's ketchup with water. Yeah, schnook this, like everybody else. Yeah, schnook. Yeah, exactly. This one ends with a better, uh, more happier ending for sure. Yeah, it has a more hopeful as people are trying to salvage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the wreckage of the early 80s of their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, all right, so that's my number two. That's why I hate licorice. I fucking hate licorice pizza. Well, don't talk. I still haven't seen it yet. Sorry. I'm trying sorry, to. Sorry. sorry. All right, so where are we at? Number two? 
So my number two is The Godfather Part Two. That's my number one. That's the prequel. Godfather Part Two, the prequel. Uh-huh. Yeah. The non-prequel prequel? I think it was very much confirmed by all the evidence I laid out in the Facebook group. It is a prequel. So, Well, considering I no longer use Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> can shove it right up his ass. Hello. I, I don't. And I don't really use Instagram all that much. That company is dead to me. Wow. Strong uh, words. Okay. I, I haven't used Facebook now in over a year. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I told you about it when like a month into it and said, I don't think I'm going to be doing this anymore. And then it just more stories and more stories and more stories kept coming out thereafter. And I was like, I am officially finished. I haven't deactivated my account because there's no point. I don't even know what my login is anymore. Right. Right. So I'm glad you laid out whatever argument. (laughs) Well, people kept tagging me in these messages and I finally had to respond. So I responded, but anyway, I mean, I saw on Twitter, I don't know that I saw any support, Support? No, I saw uh, quite a few. So quite a few. Quite a lot of support. There was quite a lot of support. Yeah, okay. All right, Trump. Uh, a lot of people are saying it. A lot of people are Don't saying. Don't you ever copy that? And a lot on January of people. 6th, how dare you? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> on January sixth. Uh, uh, are terrible. you going to reschedule your press conference about the sequel until uh, <laughs> the fifteenth in right. Arizona or wherever? Oh yeah, it's because the mainstream media can't cover me correctly. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, it's just clown, fucking clown. Anyway, Godfather Part Two, New Year's Eve scene. This is the scene. This is the first this scene I thought of. Yeah. Um, and then the and then my number one, of course. But this is this this is Michael and Fredo, man. It's classic. Yeah. Your your number one was literally the third thing I thought of, and it's like, mm. oh, that's easy. That's number three. <laughs> um, and then after that, I had to like you know search. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just the pivotal yeah really shows you what it means to be the head of this world right right we have to make a decision like this where i understand fredo's motivation and i understand michael's and all are disgusting yeah yeah um well i mean like you said matt earlier like new year's eve represents new beginning or a change right and so in all the films we've talked about new year's eve represents that Right. And and so the scenes are pivotal. The pivotal scene. So the scenes are pivotal because they represent a change in dynamic of the movie. Right. And this is everything from Godfather into Godfather 2 has been leading to this moment where Fredo betray where Michael finds out that Fredo betrayed him. Yeah. And and Michael kisses Fredo the way Pacino grabs John Cazale's neck with both hands and shoves him in for the kiss and says, you broke my heart like that's passion that's family passion and it's it's the devastation of michael because he will be betrayed by his family on numerous occasions over the next decade over the next few decades um for different reasons because he'll never be his dad and exactly and they'll never accept him fully exactly and his dad's brother would have never betrayed him his dad's friends um uh who are essentially his brothers in in america when he came over as an immigrant they never betrayed him. And so there's that kind of thing of the, there's this power of the betrayal. And it starts the darker path that Michael Corleone is going to walk, the more lonely solo path as he shuts the door on Kay, as he, you know, kind of uh, insulates himself from the outside world as he builds this empire um, and never finds love again, never finds the death of Apollonia was the first half of his heart. And then Fredo breaking him was the, or Fredo betraying him was the other half of his heart that broke. And that was that. 
You know, well, I don't think he can open himself up to that anymore. No, right, exactly, because the, the betrayals were so devastating and the losses were so devastating. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you as know, he's like, holding on to Fredo, and when he tells him, hmm. you know, I know it was you, and you can see Kazale trying to pull away. Yeah, Ooh. as the character, you can see the strain as yeah. Pacino's holding on to him. Uh, it's yeah. such a just you can feel the tension yeah. and the 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 emotions that are about to boil over. Yeah. You know, and the other fe- and the utter fear in Fredo's face is when he finally pulls away and, and runs out into the night, looking back at Michael. Just that kind of thing of like, God, the true fear in his face of what? Yeah, but he still gets happen. on the plane. He does. He does eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, all these all these films with the New Year's Eve scene signify change in many ways. You know, so it's, this is no different. This is such an extreme change, for sure. Um, all right, so that was your number one. Yep. Okay. And my number two. So then my number one, of course, when Harry met Sally, the punt from earlier. I mean, this is one of the first two things I think of when I think about New Year's Eve scenes because they have all those conversations about New Year's Eve all the time. New Year's Eve in the movie, there are multiple ones mm-hmm. that signify, you know, a, a new stage in their relationship or a new stage in their friendship. And this is the one where he runs, you know, and he's walking and you're hearing Sinatra seeing the, his later in life version of it had to be you, which is a fucking awesome version. And Harry finally realizes it's her. It's always been her. It's got to be her. I got to go get her and runs through the streets, which is great and runs up there and she's about to celebrate. She initially rejects him and then he delivers a fucking awesome speech. Um, and it's just great. You know, so I, I begin with a rom-com at my number 10 and I end with a rom-com. Um, because I just enjoy those when they're done well and the New Year's Eve scene and this one yeah. is just fucking stellar, dude. It's an, it's an excellent New Year's Eve scene. And it's, yeah. you know, one of those times where you know it's a rom-com, so there's going to be certain emotional manipulations. Yeah. You're perfectly sure. content with it. Yeah. It's great. You guys do it flawlessly. That's what I'm here for. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you, did yeah. you did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. You, you, you like nail, nail on the head. It's when it's done, you know, sloppily yeah. where you're like, eh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the same can oh. be said of any genre. True. But I mean, but one of the greatest scenes in films ever, I mean, just her yeah. look at him and throughout mm-hmm. as he's delivery. And then she just kind of melts and says, I hate you, Harry. I hate you. And she yeah. And that last hate so is not awesome. hate. It's, uh, no. it's yeah. Not. It's her way of saying, I love you without yeah. having, to say, having to say, I love you. Yeah. It's fucking great. Um, all right. Well, there you go. There's our uh, top 10 New Year's Eve scenes in movies. We're going to put this thing together so we can uh, give you our official the top 10 list of the New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Eve scenes in movies. Uh, I'm going to grab the bongos, Matt, which I think I put back in the closet. I'll be right back. All right. So I think Godfather 2 and then When Harry Met Sally. Probably followed by Boogie Nights. That is my guess. See you back. All right. All right. So move the microphone here so I can do this. All right. What do we got? I would imagine it goes Godfather 2, mm. When Harry Met Sally, and then Boogie Nights. Okay. One, two, three. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I have trading places at three. Where do you have that at? I have trading places at eight. Oh, wow. Okay. And then I have Ghostbusters at five, and you have that at what, nine? Eight. Eight. Poseidon Adventure? Where do you have that? Seven. That's my five. Should that go up there now? I would imagine. Or what do you have? Would uh, 
trading well trading places you had at three yeah yeah so i would say trading places next oh okay three eight okay three eight beats a five seven or a five eight okay so that then maybe poseidon okay and then ghostbusters two okay and that makes one through six and i don't think we have anything else in common no i don't think so either so i have uh my number four the shining okay that goes on there uh, my next highest is my number six. Same here. An American in Paris. Uh, I have Snowpiercer. How dare you? It's not even a choice. How dare I, you? Once again, <laughs> oh, fairly certain. Sacrilege that you would flip. Uh, oh, fairly certain that I haven't seen it. A best uh, picture winner over Snowpiercer. Yeah, okay. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Horrific what you're doing right now. How green was my valley? <laughs> crash how green was it uh, uh right, do you want we'll regular quarter or do you want uh batman spider-man or not spider-man pardon me superman let's do batman superman why not it's a weight. Yeah. it's a weighted coin i can complain if i don't get it yes uh, you won last time so apparently it's weighted in your favor we'll see if it happens again i don't know yep this time you lose my friend Son of this a time bitch. you lose all right fine Snowpiercer and American in Paris. All right, what, what we got left? Uh, I have my number nine. I have my seven. Ocean's okay. eleven. Ocean's eleven. It is. Is that ten? That is ten. Well, oh, boom! All right, here we go. The top ten New Year's Eve scenes in movies. Yeah. At number ten, Ocean's Eleven. At number nine, An American in Paris. At number eight, Snowpiercer. At number seven, The Shining. At number six, Ghostbusters 2. At number five, The Poseidon Adventure. At number four, Trading Places. At number three, Boogie Nights. At number two, When Harry Met Sally. And our number one New Year's Eve scene in a movie is... Is The Godfather Part 2. I know it was you, Fredo. I know it was you. All right. There you go. Thank you all so much for watching or listening to us counting down the top 10. Another top 10 list here on the top 10 show. We appreciate it madly, Matt, don't we? Uh, That we do. And I've got Drew Inn's list. Yeah, we got Drew. Um, What do you got? So he sent in two lists. Okay. Here's something. Might have screwed up. Okay. Okay. He says on his first list, there's a, a, a anyway, sends in the second list and says, The Shining is a 4th of July party, not New Year's Eve. Oh, oh, is that true? I don't know. I don't we see it. him in the uh, picture with New Year's yeah. Eve? Yeah. I thought it was New Year's Eve, not 4th of July, but hold on. Yeah. Looking up now. July 4th ball, 1921. Over wow, the wow. Well, I have to take that off my list. Uh oh. Well, we off the, I, yeah, we can take it off the official list then. So it's no longer number seven. We can just bump everything up. Okay. What do you got left? Um, I still have my nine. Uh, yeah, my nine as well. About time. Because Ghostbusters 2 is my eight. We put that up already. I have oh. the apartment. All right. Here we go. Flipping a coin. Call it in the air. Uh, the other one's uh, across the room. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. Ba- uh, heads. 
About time it is. Yeah. Right, there you go. Officially. At number 10. About time. There we go. <laughs> uh, I can't believe. Yeah. I just it, thought of the picture in my head. and was like, that's definitely New Year's. <laughs> uh, all right. They, I don't know. They're all wearing black ties. I guess I don't associate black tie with 4th of July. But yeah, that seems weird. Yeah. A different time, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So at 10, he's got Bridget Jones's diary. Okay. Nice choice. Yeah. Begins New Year's Day and ends with yeah. picking Darcy on New Year's Eve. Okay. Okay. Uh, nine is about a boy. Oh, yes. A good scene for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, it just wasn't as, I guess, pivotal. That's why I didn't put it on yeah. mine. Same. Uh, change and need to grow for Will as he meets Rachel. At eight, he's got Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. The entire heist happens on New Year's Eve. It's a lot of fun, and but not a memorable scene, is what he said. Yeah. Uh, seven, Ghostbusters 2. Not my favorite movie, but seeing the Statue of Liberty go through the streets is definitely a memorable scene. Agreed. Six, Boogie Nights. William H. Macy wow. walking on Six. in on his cheating spouse, and then the brokenness of his face during the scene that sets up the rest of the themes of the movie. Very true. Five, hold on to your hat, sir. When Harry met Sally. Five! That scene in speech is classic and gives me the chills. Four sleepless in Seattle. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. Where they meet on the roof, I think. Right? I, yeah, I chose one Meg Ryan. <laughs> uh, it's a very sweet ending and a truly an homage to older Hollywood classic romantic comedies. Three is Godfather Part Two. The declaration of wow. Fredo's betrayal in the right midst on. of everything going on around them is so striking. Two is Sunset Boulevard. Oh yeah, that's right. That, yeah, I, I, it's an uncomfortable film, so I don't go back to it many times. So that's why I didn't put it on my list. But that's a great choice. He says the realization of her obsession with Joe and the tragedy that is all the movie. Pardon me. That is this movie all comes into focus on New Year's Eve. And number one is the Poseidon Adventure. Ah, yeah, nice choice. From nice. joy to tragedy that sets up this natural disaster movie that just sticks with me for a number of reasons. So that is Drew Enz's list and he also gave us a correction to ours i think that's the first time that's ever happened how dare you how dare you i'd rather be right than wrong so thank you drew <laughs> um so there it is uh great suggestion okay. we appreciate yeah. it uh drew thank you Drew. sorry for the delay um thanks for being a patron thanks for being a boss hog patron uh you know those are the these are the perks that you get when you're at the 50 dollars and above level you get to choose topics and we get to count it down and read your list on the show those are the perks which is a lot of fun we appreciate it that we do. We're doing and to what? all our uh, patron supporters, our Patreon supporters. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. It was 2021 was a hell of a year. So having you guys uh, support us throughout meant the world. And uh, if you'd like to join in, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10 and uh, join today. We've got numerous different tiers, numerous different perks. We'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, well, that's it from us. Uh, Matt, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me anywhere at Matt Nost and uh, check out uh, my other show, Settle the Score. And if you want some NBA action, dropping dimes. Nice, nice. And you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, on Twitch, The Outlaw Nation on TikTok at John uh, The Roca Says. And uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. And my other podcast, The uh, Cinephiles and The Geek Buddies, all out there for you to enjoy. And uh, we wish you from Matt and I. A very happy new year in 2022. We hope you continue listening to the top 10, but more than anything else, we hope you have a better year if you had a tough 2021. And if you had a good 2021, we still wish you have a better year in 2022 and enjoy the world as much as you can. We love you. 
And let's keep growing the top 10 this year as we go into our sixth year uh, and all crossing, I think we're going to cross our seventh year of existence as a podcast. So thank you all so much. And we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of the top 10. Peace. Peace.